Section 32 of A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville Brown. Section 32. Chapter 14. Yazd. Continued. Chand. Chand as hikmate yunanyan. Hikmate imanyan ro ham bechan. How long, how long of the wisdom of the Greeks? Study also the wisdom of the people of faith. On Kaybe Mumtane, Kehamiguft Lantarao Enak Tarao Negu Bejahon, Oshikar showed Kash Vehijab Kard, Chodao Hal Bashorati Enak Zohure at Zame, Parvardigar showed That unapproachable unseen which was wont to say thou shalt not see me lo melodious with song hath appeared in the world it hath lifted the veil good tidings o gods lo the supreme theophany hath come in the last chapter i have spoken chiefly of the zoroastrians in this i propose to say something concerning my dealings with the Babis of Yazd, of whom also I saw a good deal. And, first of all, a few words are necessary as to the relations subsisting between the votaries of these two religions, the oldest and the newest which Persia has produced. Their relations to one another are of a much more friendly character than are the relations of either of them towards the Muhammadans, and this for several reasons. Both of them are liable to persecution at the hands of the Muhammadans, and so have a certain fellow feeling and sympathy. Both of them are more tolerant towards such as are not of their own faith than the Muhammadans, the zoroastrians as already said regarding the virtuous of the seven climes as their friends and the babis being commanded by baha to associate with men of all religions with spirituality and sweet savour and to regard no man as unclean by reason of his faith moreover the Babis recognize Zoroaster as a prophet, though without much enthusiasm, and are at some pains to conciliate and win over his followers to their way of thinking, as instanced by the epistles addressed by Baha from Acre to certain of their number, while some few at least of the Zoroastrians are not indisposed to recognize in Baha their expected deliverer shah bahram who as dastur tirandals informed me must appear soon if they were to be rescued from their abasement and the good religion re-established 
the dastur himself indeed would not admit that baha could be this promised saviour who he said must come before the next nowruz if he were to come at all but others of his co-religionists were less confident on this point and in kerman i met at least one who was so far as i could ascertain actually a babi the marked predilection towards the babis displayed by monakji the late zoroastrian agent at tehran at whose instigation the tarikh jadid or new history of the bab's manifestation was written must also have reacted powerfully on his zoroastrian brethren i have already remarked on the hatred with which the zoroastrians regard the arabs and the fact that the babi movement was entirely persian in origin no doubt inclines them to look favourably on it one of them said as much to me the semitic peoples he added were comparable to ravening beasts of prey and the aryan races to the peaceful and productive animals an unmodified semitic religion he maintained could never really be acceptable to aryans i may here mention a very absurd fiction which i have more than once heard the zoroastrians maintain in the presence of musalmans or babis namely that zoroaster was identical with abraham the chief argument whereby they seek to establish this thesis is as follows you recognize five nabiye morsal prophets sent with new revealed scriptures as opposed to prophets merely sent to warn and preach repentance who are called nabiye monzer say they to wit abraham with the suhuf leaves tracts or epistles moses with the torah pentateuch david with the mazamir psalms jesus with the injil gospel and muhammad with the quran and you believe that the book of each of these five and a remnant of his people shall continue in the world so long as it lasts now of each of the last four the book and the people exist to our day but where is the suhuf of abraham and where his followers does it not seem probable to you that the suhuf is our avesta that abraham is but another name for zoroaster and that we are his people as further proof of this contention ardashir declared that mention was made of barahim who was evidently the same as ibrahim abraham in the shah nameh and i think he strove to connect this word with brahman and bahram for he was capable of much in the way of etymology and comparative philology i do not suppose that in their hearts many of the zoroastrians really believe this nonsense but it has always been a great object with them to get themselves included among the ahlul kitab or people to whom a revealed book recognized by the muhammadans has been vouchsafed inasmuch as these enjoy many privileges denied to the pagan and idolater
My first introduction to the Babis of Yazd I have already described. The morning after I had taken up my quarters in Ardashir's garden, I received a message from Hawji Sayyid M about 6 a.m., inviting me to take my early tea in a garden of his situated close at hand. Thither I at once repaired, and after a while found myself alone with the Babi poet Andalib. How was it, he began, that the Jews, although in expectation of their Messiah, failed to recognize him in the Lord Jesus? Because, I answered, they looked only at the letter and not the spirit of their books, and had formed a false conception of the Messiah and his advent. May not you Christians have done the same, he continued, with regard to him whose advent you expect, the promised comforter? May he not have come while you continue heedless? Within a few miles of Acre is a monastery of Carmelite monks who have taken up their abode there to await the return of Christ because their books tell them that he will return there. He has returned there, almost at their very door, yet they recognize him not but continue gazing up to heaven whence as they vainly suppose he will descend consider the parable of the lord of the vineyard he resumed after a while which is contained in your gospel first he sent servants to demand his rights from those wicked men to whom the vineyard was let these were the prophets before christ then he sent his own son whom they killed. This was Christ himself, as you yourselves admit. And after that, what shall the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandman, and will give the vineyard unto others. Mark 12, 9. Do you then regard Baha as the Lord of the vineyard, that is to say, as God himself, I inquired in astonishment. What say your own books, he replied. Who is he who shall come after the sun? Well, but what then say you of Muhammad, I demanded. For if you accept this parable and interpret it thus, there is no place left for him, since he comes after the sun and before the Lord of the vineyard. He was a messenger sent to announce the advent of the Lord of the vineyard, replied Andalib. Then, said I, he was less than the sun. Yes, answered Andalib, he was. He then spoke of other matters, of the devotion of the youth Badi, who came on foot from Acre to Tehran, there to meet a cruel death with Baha'u'llah's letter to Nasiruddin Shah of the martyrs of Esfahan and the miserable end of their persecutors, Sheikh Balgher and the Imam Jum'e of the downfall of Napoleon III, foretold by Baha'u in the epistle addressed to the French emperor when he was at the zenith of his power and read by himself four years before the accomplishment 
of the prediction concerning badi he remarked even christ prayed that if possible this cup might pass from him while this lad joyfully hastened with unhalting and unswerving feet over many a weary mile of desert and mountain bearing his own death warrant in his hand to quaff the draught of martyrdom as we were leaving the garden he took me by the hand and besought me to go to acre and see baha for myself how noble a work might be yours he said if you could become assured of the truth of his claim in spreading the good news through your country next day i received a visit from a sarhang or colonel who filled at that time a rather responsible post at yazd whence he has since been transferred to another important town in the south of persia he too proved to be a babi and conversed very freely about the new manifestation in accordance with the injunction address men according to the measure of their understanding said he it behoves every divine messenger to impart to his people only so much spiritual knowledge as they are capable of receiving wherefore as mankind advances in education the old creeds necessarily lose their significance and the old formulae become obsolete so if a child were to ask what we meant by saying that knowledge was sweet we might give it a sugar-plum and say it resembles this so that the child liking the sugar-plum might desire knowledge though as a matter of fact the two have nothing in common to rough uncultivated men such as the arabs with whom muhammad had to deal the pleasures of divine love cannot be more clearly symbolized than as a material paradise of beautiful gardens and rivers of milk and wine and honey where they shall be waited on by black-eyed maidens and fair boys now we have outgrown this coarse symbolism and are fitted to receive a fuller measure of spiritual truth and wisdom from him who is the fountain-head of wisdom and the wisest of all living men baha two days later i was invited by haji sayyid m to spend the day with him and his friends in one of his gardens situated outside the town on the road to taft he kindly sent his servant with a horse to convey me thither and i had lunch and tea there returning home about sunset there were a good many guests all so far as i could make out being bobbies including andalib and a very vivacious little merchant on whom in consideration of the very humorous manner in which he impersonated for our amusement the venal conduct of a certain eminent mullah of yazd on the judgment seat the title of sheikh was bestowed the garden with its roses mulberry trees pomegranates in full blossom syringas 
nastarjan cool marble tanks and tiny streams was like a dream of delight and i have seldom spent a pleasanter day anywhere i conversed chiefly with andalib who read me some of his own poems and also wrote down for me one of the beautiful odes attributed to the bobby heroine and martyr qurratul ain the text of this with a translation into english verse will be found at pages three fourteen to six of volume two of my traveller's narrative he talked a good deal about the identity of all the prophets whom he regarded as successive manifestations or incarnations of the divine will or universal reason if that is so i urged how can you speak of one manifestation as more perfect than another or of one prophet as superior to another from our human point of view he replied we are entitled to speak thus although from the standpoint of the absolute it is incorrect it is the same sun which rises every day to warm and light us and no one for a moment doubts this yet we say the sun is hotter in summer than in winter or warmer today than yesterday or in a different sign of the zodiac now from that which it occupied a month ago speaking relatively to ourselves this is perfectly true but when we consider the sun apart from accidents of time place environment and the like we perceive it to be ever one and the same unchanged and unchangeable so is it with the sun of truth which rises from the horizon of the heart and illuminates the spiritual firmament is it not strange then i asked that different prophets should advance different claims one announcing himself as the friend of god another as the interlocutor of god another as the apostle of god another as the son of god and another as god himself no he answered and i will strive to make it clearer by means of a parable a certain king holding sway over a vast empire desired to discover with his own eyes the causes of disorders which prevailed in one of his provinces so that he might take effectual measures to remedy them he determined therefore to go thither himself and laying aside his kingly state to mix with the people on terms of intimacy so he wrote a letter declaring the bearer of it to be an officer of the king's household sealed it with the royal seal and thus provided went in disguise to the province in question where he announced that he was an officer sent by the king to inquire into the disorders prevailing amongst the people in proof of which he produced the royal warrant which he had himself written after a while when order had been in some degree restored and all men were more loyally disposed he announced himself to be the king's own minister 
producing another royal warrant in proof of this last of all he threw off all disguise and said i am the king himself now all the time he was really the king though men knew him not yet was his state and majesty at first not as it was at last so is it with the divine will or universal reason which becoming manifest from time to time for our guidance declares itself now as the apostle of god now as the son of god and at last as god himself we are not asked to acknowledge a higher status than it sees fit to claim at any particular time but the royal signet is the sufficient proof of any claim which it may advance including that of the supreme majesty itself but as molono jalalu din rumi says didei boyad kebashad shahshinas tashinasad shahra dar harlebas it needs an eye which is king discerning to recognize the king in whatever garb later on i asked haji sayed m what he considered to be the difference between the sufi saint who had attained to the station of annihilation in god wherein like mansur halaj he could cry i am the truth and the prophet what in short i concluded is the difference between the i am god of mansur and the i am god of baha for as your own proverb has it there is no color beyond black the difference said he is as the difference between our sitting here and saying see this is a rose garden and one saying i am such and such a rose in that garden the one reaches a point where losing sight and cognizance of self he wanders at will through the world of divinity olamelahut the other is the throne on which god sits as he himself saith he set himself upon the throne quran 752103 etc one is a perfect reflection of the sun cast in a pure clear mirror the other is the sun itself a few days later after the month of ramazan had begun i paid another visit to haji sayed m's house where three of my zoroastrian friends presently joined me andalib as usual was the chief spokesman and amongst other things laid down the dogma that faith and unbelief were the root or essence of the whole matter and good or bad actions only branches or subsidiaries this position i attacked with some warmth suppose a jew and a christian said he the former merciful charitable benevolent humane pious but rejecting and denying christ the latter cruel selfish vindictive but accepting and reverencing him of these two 
which do you regard as the better man without doubt the jew i answered god forbid replied he without doubt the christian god is merciful and forgiving and can pardon sin can he not then pardon unbelief i demanded no he answered from those who do not believe is taken the spirit which once they had to which the present wretchedness and abasement of the jews bears witness as it did not appear to me that the nations professing the christian religion had suffered much abasement on account of their rejection of muhammad i said thinking to get the better of the argument do you consider that every people which rejects a new manifestation must be similarly abased he did not fall into my trap however no he answered not unless they have been guilty of some special act of hostility or cruelty towards the bearer of the new gospel what then i demanded of the muhammadans can one conceive of greater hostility or cruelty than they showed towards the bob and those who followed him shall they too be abased yea verily he answered and grievous shall be their abasement look at these poor gebbers pointing to my zoroastrian friends how miserable is their condition and why because of the sin of khosro parviz who tore up the letter which the apostle of god sent to him inviting him to embrace islam yet had he some excuse for he was a great king belonging to a mighty dynasty which had ruled for many generations while the letter was from an unknown member of a despised and subject race and was moreover curt and unceremonious in the extreme beginning this is a letter from muhammad the apostle of god to khosro parviz what shall we say of the king who not only tore up the letter but slew with the most cruel torments the messenger of one greater than muhammad the letter being moreover written in the most courteous and conciliatory tone but the christians never acted thus towards muhammad and some such as the abyssinian najaushi did all in their power to succour and protect those who for their belief in him had become wanderers and exiles i tried to ascertain andalib's beliefs as to the future life a subject on which i have always found the babis singularly reticent and he told me that according to their belief the body the vegetable soul and the animal soul all the lower principles in fact underwent disintegration and redistribution while the luminous spirit ruhenurani survived to receive rewards or punishments whereof the nature was unrevealed and unknown he then turned upon the zoroastrians and upbraided them for their indifference in matters of religion 
for all these years he concluded you have been seeing and hearing of jews christians and muhammadans have you ever taken the trouble to ascertain the nature of their beliefs or of the proofs and arguments by which they support them if for a single week you had given half the attention which you devote to your worldly business to a consideration of these matters you would in all probability have attained to certainty what fault can be greater than this indifference and neglect a few days after this i returned the sarhang's visit he received me very kindly in his house situated near the mosque of mir chakmauch and though it was ramazan gave me tea and himself drank a little hot water the conversation at once turned on religion he began by discussing the martyrdom of imam hussein the chief of martyrs and of abbas ali akbar and the rest of his relatives and companions at karbala declaring that had it not been for the wrong suffered by these islam would never have gained one-tenth of the strength it actually possesses from this topic he passed to the babi insurrection headed by alga sayyid yahyao of darab which was put down with great severity in the summer of eighteen fifty two of my relatives were in the army of the malignants he began so i know a good deal about what took place and more especially how god punished them for their wickedness when orders came from tehran to shiraz to put down the insurrection my maternal grandfather the shoja-ul-mulk received instructions to march against the babis of neiriz he was somewhat unwilling to go and consulted two of the clergy who reassured him telling him that it was a jihad or holy war and that to take part in it would ensure him a great reward in the afterlife so he went and what was done was done the malignants after they had slain seven hundred fifty men of the babis took the women and children stripped them nearly naked mounted them on camels mules and asses and led them forth through an avenue of heads severed from those who had been their husbands brothers fathers and sons towards shiraz when they arrived there they were lodged in a ruined caravanserai just outside the esfahan gate opposite to an imam zaudeh near to which the soldiers encamped under some trees there exposed to all manner of hardships insults and persecutions they were kept for a long while during which many of them died and now hear how god took vengeance on some of those who were prominent as persecutors of his saints my grandfather 
the Shoja'ul Mulk, when stricken down by his last illness, was dumb till the day of his death. Just at the end, those who stood round him saw his lips move, and stooping down to hear what he was whispering, heard him repeat the word, Balbi, three times. Immediately afterwards, he fell back dead. My great-uncle, Mirzo Naim, who also took part in the suppression of the Nairi's rising, fell into disgrace with the government, and was twice heavily mulcted. Ten thousand tomans the first time, fifteen thousand tomans the second. His punishment did not stop here. He was made to stand bareheaded in the sun, with syrup smeared over his face to attract the flies. His feet were crushed in the Qajar boot, and his hands submitted to the El-Chek, that is to say, pieces of wood were inserted between his fingers, round which whip-cord was tightly bound, and on the whip-cord cold water was poured to make it contract. Nor were these the worst or most degrading torments to which he was subjected. I will tell you another instance of divine vengeance. There was in Shiraz a certain Sheikh Hossein, who bore the honorific title of Nazemul Olamao, but who was generally known by reason of his injustice as Zaulem, tyrant. He was not only concerned in the events I have described, but manifested a specially malignant hatred towards the Bab. So far did this hatred carry him, that when the Bab was before Hossein Khan, the governor of Fars, he drew his penknife from his pen-case and cried, If you will not order his execution, I will kill him with this. Later on, when the Bob had gone to Esfahan, he followed him thither, declaring that he would not cease to dog his footsteps till he had enjoyed the satisfaction of carrying out the death sentence on him, till at last the governor of Esfahan sent him back to Shiraz, telling him that whenever that time came, the Mir Ghazab, or executioner, would be ready to do his duty. Well, after his return to Shiraz, he became affected with a scrotal swelling, which attained so enormous a size that he could hardly sit his horse and had to be lifted into the saddle. Later on, before he died, his face turned black, save that one side was flecked with white spots, and thus he lay in his bed, loathsome alike to sight and smell, smearing his countenance with filth, and crying upon God to whiten his face on the last day, when the faces of others should be black. So he died. A few days after this, I again paid a visit to Haji Sayyid M's house. Andalib, of course, was there, 
and took tea with me, explaining that as his throat was sore, he was not fasting that day. He had found the passages occurring in Baha's epistle to one of the Turkish ministers who had oppressed him, wherein the catastrophes impending over the Ottoman Empire were foretold. The first, which was in Arabic, ran as follows. And if he please, he will assuredly make you as scattered dust, and will overtake you with vengeance on his part. Trouble shall appear in your midst, and your realms shall be divided. Then shall ye lament, and humble yourselves, and shall not find for yourselves any ally or helper. The second in Persian ran thus. But wait, for God's wrath is made ready, and ye shall shortly behold that which hath descended from the pen of command. It was a pretty sight to see Hauji Sayyid M with his little child, to which he appeared devotedly attached, and which he would seldom suffer to be long out of his sight. When I had read the passage above translated, he took the book from me, and held it out to the little one, saying, Kitabra Mauchkon, kiss the book, which, after some coaxing, it was prevailed upon to do. A baby Balbi. End of section 32. Recording by Nicholas James Bridgewater. Recorded in London, England.